What's happening, guys? My name is Swazi, and this is The Roundtable. I'm joined again with some amazing, amazing people, and today I'm chopping it up with a different question involving three Cs. Class, culture, and colour. What does it mean to think about these things as a conversation and also to navigate through life? Check your person on your left. You have to tell me what you think their challenges are within those three categories. Class, culture, and colour. Shady, I kick it off with you first. <laughs> Bare things downloading. <laughs> Bare things. So the person on your left. Yeah. So Dom. Dominique, naturally, you know, certain roles and certain certain engagements with work, you might still feel challenged more in certain industry than others. Um, I think you told me you're from Jamaican and Jam white. Yeah, Caribbean again, kind of just correlating with. You know, and being ambitious, I think you're going to be going into high-end salaries that you're ambitious, you really want to strive, you study. So I think you're going to be going into societies where, you know, these big shareholders and the people that influence those job roles, again, rich old white men in this society we're in. So um, that could be an issue. I'm not saying these things define you, but I think that naturally in your environment, you may face them at some stage or another. Um, yeah, I think that correlates with class as well, so... Uh... Cool, okay. Dom, what do you think your take is? I think your challenge is maybe that often it's assumed that you come from a position of privilege when that might not always be necessarily the case, but, uh, socially or economically. I think, um, you know, a challenge as a man might be that it's often seen as that you're a natural aggressor and that because you are a part of this patriarchy that men have constructed, your opinions don't matter as much as everybody else's. And I think that that might be one of your challenges as a white male in today's society. Okay, cool. Any of that resonates, Lana? Yeah, that was incredibly incisive. Yeah, nice. Um, for Ajani then, who's on your left, what do you think his challenge is, maybe? Please correct me if I... So that people might trivialise your culture and <laughs> take it at a very peripheral level, um, if I remember correctly, that you're Jamaican. Um, perhaps that they say uh, things in, a, in what they think is a Jamaican accent or, you know, they, maybe they see something derogatory about the smoking weed or... Or ask me to buy weed. Or ask you to yeah. buy weed. All the time. Um, maybe it's a woman who is walking towards you, a woman or a man walking towards you and they cross the street. Um, I mentioned that my friend's conversation about relationships with the police and figures of authority. Um, I can imagine that being an obstacle. Um, yeah. You good? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be scared, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's such a healthy conversation to have, you know. I feel like Phil may navigate a space of confusion in the sense that he is of a mixed ethnicity, mm -hmm. but looks of one or assumed of one and as you say, you know, people assume that you're white, but as soon as they hear your name, they now expect you to be yeah. Asian. And yeah. it's like, but 
you thought I was white like two minutes ago. You yeah. know? So I do feel like he probably struggles to navigate multiple ethnicities. And even though he self-identifies as one, mm -hmm. just from you, what you said, I assume yeah. that your name, yeah. as soon as people hear your name, they now start placing assumptions on you, which mm. are different. Yes. So I feel like he probably struggles to navigate that yeah, it's, it's not something in which, you know, um, you made a good point, but um, it's not something which I'm actually like, offended by. Like, um, even with other people, I don't really see colour or anything as something different. It's mainly what other people's perception of it is. Um, I think, certainly, I mean, I don't have a problem with other colours, cultures, and if everybody, you know, didn't either, I think it would make the world a much better place for if sure, we could all sure. just... What do you think um, Rashida's challenges may be when it comes down to class, culture and colour? Um, I think, man, I'm, I'm going to say probably... In fact, I think um, in terms of class, you seem sort of quite street-ish, if, if that sort of... Is that quite accurate? <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh. Carry on, Let's, carry on. Should we skip over that one? No, no, okay. <laughs> I don't know what it would mean to say that I'm... Like, what is... Like, in terms mean? of, like, um, sort of... Do you know what I mean? Like, um, quite... Um, you know, quite um, sort of working class-ish, would, would you say? Well, it might surprise you to know that both my parents are actually university professors. Oh, are they? Oh, they wow. are. Um, I would say that, like, my parents definitely come from a more working class environment than I do. I've, I say I grew, I grew up yeah. in, like, the ends, but with, with a certain periphery yeah. in the sense that I was always aware of a certain privilege that yeah. I had. Like, my parents were teachers and I've seen them, like, come up, like, in yeah. their social standing throughout yeah. my own um, lifetime. But I guess... Yeah. The other, yeah. The other two um, <laughs> things that I would have probably guessed, um, I think these challenges are probably going to get easier over time, I think quite rapidly, but the issue of being a black, the issues of being black and being a woman, um, I mean, a lot of like people have mentioned the, um, which got the um, issues and the challenges that, you know, sort of people of colour face, but I can't really say that's something I've experienced firsthand. Um, so, you know, forgive, you know, if anything that I might say do sound ignorant, but I've just genuinely haven't experienced that or really seen it. But um, I think those issues, like, if they are, I think they are going to get easier because, um, you know, the world does seem to be progressing um, more. You know, we have, you know, more black musicians, you know, more, um, you know, black people, like, you know, on TV. You know, for you example, in her, film roles. What do you think roles, her challenge may be? Um, I think maybe in terms of, say, for example, maybe you know, people's perception of, you know, what that might be. It's, to be honest, it isn't something, it's something that I do keep hearing, but it's not something that I know firsthand. Um, you know, and I don't want to be ignorant to anything that you feel like as a challenge or anything that you know is challenging for you. Yeah, sweet. Um, so Any of that resonating? Yeah, no, I, I guess so. I guess so. There, there are challenges that I face that you probably, like you said, there are things that you yeah. haven't experienced that you're not aware of. And yeah. obviously there's a gendered element of things. Um, yes. And we, you live, you're from the North, I'm from the South, different experiences yeah. there, I guess. Possibly, so. yeah. Can I, yeah. Can I say, I feel like, just, I really don't want to harp on, on, the, on the point about that, you seeing the assumption of someone's thing right now, mm -hmm. I feel like Rashida could have been offended when Phil said, oh, I feel like, because again, this is, this is just conversation, obviously we're in a safe space talking, mm -hmm. but for, I feel like, for someone to say, oh, but I feel like things going to get better rapidly for you. It's like, yo, but you don't even know what I got you now. Mm -hmm. And again, to reference the, the thing about, um, as I said, musicians are people entertaining, black people entertaining. It's like, yo fam, that's not even half of the issue. Right. But you think that, 
that's okay. And I say, I convert that to say, I don't imagine that if I said, oh, but women are a problem now. This is why God is so important in this conversation, you know, like one out of two of the greatest commandments is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And that couldn't be done except both of these understood each other, you know, because sis gave Phil the grace to just say, okay, she didn't take it in a negative way. But now this is an important conversation where I need to make sure your brother, bro is educated enough so he can now communicate this to someone that isn't as understanding. And you, bro needs to be loving enough to say, I need to understand this in a way that it's not gonna offend sis. And then only in a perfect world when love is rule, you know, and it's in the center and everyone is putting themselves away from the, the focus and they're looking at how the other person sees it. That's when we're going to look at these three C's like it's nothing because... Mm -hmm. Let me pause you right there. I'm going to go to Frankie as well and get your thoughts, Frankie, on Shady's experience. What do you think when it comes to class, culture and colour? <laughs> She's already given the wink. Um, what do you think his challenges may be? Um, well, I guess, like, you're a black man in a time and it's not a great time to be a black man. Like, you know, obviously there's a lot of change going on, but we have so much institutionalised racism still and that's an experience like, as a white woman I can never really understand like I've never had to face any of kind of discrimination because of the colour of my skin which is you know something that yeah it's a completely different world I guess um yeah yeah um, I wouldn't say it's not a great time it's always a great time <laughs> <to be laughs> me. but but naturally yeah through the challenges of today's society it can it can affect yeah I think there's a lot of sort of stuff coming up in the news at the moment as well it feels like um, obviously viewing from the outside it's kind of like racism in waves when we want to blame something on someone and so there was kind of like the shootings in America now it's knife violence the statistics are going up again in London like again they're going up they're going da they're down they're going up we're ignoring them we're going up and um, yeah I think it's like we really want to blame people in this country we like blaming people we like othering people and it's like a really horrible thing that is quite a trait in Britain. When you say about oh I understand that because I'm different, I don't experience some challenges. When you're within your peer group, is that a conversation that you have in the WhatsApp chat? Is that a conversation that when you're speaking to other friends who may be white and female or white and male, is that something that you take an ownership to sort of explain and express so that by the time Shady walks into that room, people are still knowledgeable because you've had the conversation, which probably would lessen the burden from Shady having the conversation. As in like using my privilege to educate other people kind of thing? Yeah, or, or is that a conversation that will just naturally, if, if someone was to say something, would you step in and say, oh, actually, no, that can't be, or this is why, or would you I've step into that? This is what I, I, I try and do, and I think it's an important thing I do do, especially as uh, I'm a white woman, but I'm also a white woman from East London and a white woman from a place where it's an ethnic minority to be white British. And so I've always grown up being around people who are from all different cultures. And it's like, you kind of, you know every, a lot about all different cultures and kind of respect each other equally, which is quite an unusual position to be in a lot. Like you go into a lot of rooms of white people and they just don't know, know nothing. They're like, you know, just asking really like silly questions and or things that I perceive to be silly because I've been so knowledgeable, but that's also my privilege of growing up in that environment. Like that's so good what sister said, you know, like she pulled it away from just being white. She pulled her area into it, East London. That's the conversation now where you can sympathize a bit more. And I think that was just important because people just look at just the surface of one thing and then say, I don't know how to speak. But like just like police officers, which is a huge challenge for black people, my method 
look at them like a father, look at like them as a mother, they got kids themselves. There's so many other factors that roll in, so, and that's how you tie in the conversation. So yeah, mm. that's definitely sick. Man. And just coming back to you then, JD, do you think that your faith transcends all three categories, um, class, culture, and color, and why? Why does faith transcend those three? Everything, again, with love, you know, I just, I no longer see it, but I've been hurt by all through, all three of those fundamentals, but, there's something greater than that, where if I just glorify my feelings and emotion, it's a powerful thing to do, it's hard. So it's even attracted to even strive to overcome some of the emotions, you know. I remember being stopped and searched for having a glove on, you know, and it was cold and it was just like, those kind of things, if I stay on that, what's the, what's the harm? And um, faith, all it did for me, it was it just expanded me to no longer just look at it in my perspective, but the whole world's perspective, perspective, sorry, you know. I'm kind of doing all right with my life now, so police, on, even in the areas, the things I do, I don't need to worry about police no more, but I still worry about my little brother. Mm. I still worry about my friends that are still in those environments. The things I do to even talk to that police officer is gonna shift their perspective for the next time they say, oh, maybe, my manager, I'm like, hello, so I say hello to every officer, you know? So when they see the way I talk to them, that's faith now, you know? I'm doing it, car. I don't want him to get in, up, end up in the news because you wrongfully treated someone wrong. I don't want my bro to get locked up being wrongfully charged with something. I'm thinking about it all, you know? I really hear what um, Shady's saying about faith, but for me, um, faith doesn't transcend those things. And I think, speaking from a Christian perspective, I, I grew up in what sociologists would refer to as the black majority church. Um, and for me, I think it's very dangerous for Christians or any people of faith to act like those things don't exist. Because mm -hmm. if we go into a lot of churches, a lot of them are structurally um, patriarchal or male dominated, or even, even if we go to churches which would consider themselves mixed, a lot of the time the leadership is white. Um, and for me, that's deeply problematic. Even when we look at some of the representations of Jesus, and this is what a lot of the, you know, your woke folks will say that you can't be black and be a Christian because how can you be worshiping a white Jesus? But we don't interrogate the fact that these, these are all white supremacist constructions and there are white co supremacist constructions of faith that as black people of faith, we must interrogate and we shouldn't pretend like they don't exist because they do exist and they're harmful. And the God I believe in doesn't want us to pretend like we all have the same experiences. The God I believe in wants us to stand up for the rights of women, for the rights of black people, for the rights of refugees who are disadvantaged. And I think it is um, sinful. I think it's sinful for us to act like those, those things don't exist and to act like we're all the same and that, um, and that everything's cool because it's not. Do you know what I mean? Or that the kingdom of heaven will wipe away these things. Because I think that as Christians or as people of faith, we, we are called to do the work, the hard, difficult work, the hard, difficult conversations of deconstructing some of these issues and making sure that our churches aren't like a representation of the white supremacy or the patriarchy that we see outside, but they are systems that are revolutionary and resist some of those things. And it's funny because when I, growing up in church, um, I didn't actually think that white people were Christians. Like I grew up in a church where it was just all black people. And it was like, when I was like 10, 11 years old, I realized that white people could be Christians and it was, it was mad for me. But, and sometimes people talk about um, the divisions of churches and et cetera, the white churches, there's black churches. But I think we also need to remember how some of these churches got started. Like my grandparents, my parents came to this country and white people told them that they couldn't come into their churches. So there's a reason that we have churches all across the country that are dominated and run by black people. And for me, that's not necessarily 
a bad thing, but we have to understand where they're coming from and how over different periods of time, those, those spaces have act, acted as like spaces of resistance. If you look at the civil rights movement in the US, those were church folks who were organizing. You look at the nation of Islam, those were people of faith who were organizing against structural oppression. And when people couldn't get um, access to, to um, housing and, and they came to this country in the, in the 50s and 60s, churches were important safe spaces mm -hmm. um, where they found some of those things. So I think, we need to be careful sometimes. Um, there are people who like very much like to criticize the church, specifically the black church, um, as being some, a place of corruption and sin and blah, blah, blah. But we, I think it's important we recognize how those spaces have been yeah. places of refuge for a lot of people. And, and what people did together. Right, and, yeah. and how they came about as well. Shouts, it's a good shout. And just to throw it onto this side, Dom, um, I know you spoke a lot about politics as well. If it isn't faith that transcends um, these three categories, what would it be for you? Would it be politics? individuality transcends those categories for me because you could be um you could be say a, a black woman but you could be a middle class black woman today we live in a society where um you know we have a billionaire rapper for example the first rapper that's actually mm -hmm. a billionaire jay-z and he's black mm -hmm. we have you know oprah for example one of the richest women in the world we have rich black people who don't necessarily know what the struggle is. The, the struggle isn't an inherently black thing. And I think that, you know, people have different perspectives. They might look a certain way, but they come from different perspectives wherever they come from. For me personally, um, as a mixed woman um, who is right wing, I often get judged solely on the basis of my colour as if that should form the, the basis of my political opinions. And what I really want to say about that is, like kind of what you said about viewing people on an individual human level, mm -hmm. rather than what characteristics that they have, right. that's what will improve society and, and transcend yeah. everything else. Because if you look at racism, for example, it's the problem was not seeing people as individuals, it was seeing people as a part of um, an inferior block, so therefore they should all be treated the same. So for me, my individuality and who I am as a person transcends my colour, you know, class and culture, although they are important I, facets of my identity. I think politics actually specifically doesn't transcend them because um, I'm also a political activist, but get further to the left. Um, but um, politics is so wrapped up in all these kind of historic privileges still, like you're still much more likely to be heard if you're a male, if you're middle to upper class, like as a working class woman and a political activist. It's a very odd space to fill, especially as a young woman. Like I think politics is one of the things that really needs to be impacted by the kind of the free seas in order for us to have any kind of progress when we have people in the House of Commons who are actually speaking up for people of colour, for women, for young people, for working class people. That's when we can actually start to make change and start to I mean, that Shout is happening, the... though. I, the problem that I have with left-wing people, like you, like you, I'm assuming you're quite left-wing. But that, again, that's, that's the an problem. That's I know, but you've, the, the, view, like, the things that you've said right. indicate to me where you are on the spectrum. I don't want to assume, but would you say that you are? Probably more so. Okay, so that was the correct assumption. The problem that I have with you guys is that you often view things just so negatively but, uh, all of the but time. You're, you're, you're saying you don't and want it's... to make assumptions about groups of people, but you're assuming that groups of people who would consider themselves left. From what I've observed from left-wing people, you're just very negative about things all of the time. Uh, we have women dominating... No, sorry, just <laughs> let me say this. We have women dominating politics right now. We 
have female leaders of whole countries right now. We have you know, more female CEOs. Men are more likely to go to prison, more likely to be homeless. Women have higher life expectancy than men. Men are more likely to commit suicide. Women are more likely to receive cancer funding than men. Um, women are favoured in child, child support cases, so the woman is often assumed to get custody of the child. There are many things that we, ha we have as individuals, we all have privileges, we all have things that we face that we might deem as oppressive, but the idea that it's not great to be a black man right now, despite the fact that we've got Jay-Z, for example, who come from nothing and is literally a billionaire, you know, despite the fact that I was in Philadelphia, for example, you know, we talk about police brutality and I can get into that, but do you know how many black police officers I saw? This idea that, this idea that everything is so bad, dark and oppressive, it's just not founded in factual reality. I don't think reality. people are necessarily... I don't think that's what people are saying. And it's to just your, not true, to, though. To your point, to your, to your point about, like, black billionaires or Oprah or whatever, those black people still will encounter... Obviously, there, there's elements of class and certain things, but Jay-Z and Oprah, at their highest levels, can tell you of instances where they were treated differently because of their colour of the we're skin. We're all treated differently, though. That's what I'm saying. So, we're but all what treated I'm saying is you can't, you can't, you can't not... You, for you, having brown skin might have not... You can say that it might not have affected you. It has affected me in some ways. I've experienced, I've experienced some people being racist towards me. Uh -huh. I've experienced some people making stupid comments towards me. Uh, I go to the University of York, which is a predominantly white university. Mm -hmm. um, I, when I was at home, I didn't really have any white friends and then so going to university it was a really massive change for yeah. me being in such a different That's environment so so so, so, yeah. so what, the point is that, that did, race is real and it affects it people in different I'm ways i'm not saying it's not real but what that actually did for me was it allowed me to see things from a different perspective so instead of viewing things so combatively and so like it's me versus you it's my struggles versus your struggles it's how our differences can resolve themselves and how we can come together and I feel like that's kind of what you were saying about viewing saying hi to police officers for example instead of viewing them as the other or the yeah, enemy but also saying, saying hi to police officers is not necessarily okay. going to stop black people from being victimized it's by the about, police okay. this it's kind of this kind of like level, respectability politics that if, if you're if you're just nice to white people then systemic racism disappears that's and that's not the case no, I mean that's like not what he said yeah, he was yeah, saying yeah, speaking yeah. more about relating to people on a human level transcend that so can I just say a few things on that? Um, I feel like focusing on the individual is exactly the issue. Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel like there's some irony in saying that you think you should focus on the individual, but the first thing you actually said, but the thing about you people, that's the first thing you said, you people. You group the whole, you never even know such a left wing. But you just dash her in the box and say, you people. Mm -hmm. After you were corrected, you say, okay, my assumption. But the reality is, is that as humans, mirror neurons, we identify, we assume. A baby, we learn by assuming. Some, you do something wrong, your mother shouts at you, you assume that it is wrong, so you no longer do that. We, we learn because of assumption. Now, the, talking about the individuals, the individuals does not change the macro issue. And individualism has been used to divide and conquer yeah. in the sense that if you want to bring it down to the most crudest form of imperialism and is slavery. Now, during slavery, they strategically placed certain slaves in positions of power so that those slaves would feel good. So that when the other slave they want to rebel, 
Swaziland said, Rob, but my life is good still. We don't know about that. Because focusing on the individual, hold on, you say, even saying, oh, there's a point where black people were seen as blah. And you're saying, oh, focus on the individual. Here's the thing, though. No one should be seen as blah. You see me? So it shouldn't be, oh, before you judge me, mm -hmm. talk to me and get to know me. It's like, nah, just don't judge me full stop. Yeah, you but that's me? kind of impossible because naturally we, we do judge. This is exactly my point. So you talking yeah. about individualism will never, the individual will never change the system. And it's ironic. That's and, not true. Wait, hold on. It's, 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 it's nearly hurtful when I heard you say, yo, you have to say hi. You say hi to police officers as a way of disarming them. Do you, have to, do you feel like you have to say anything to police officers? No. Th that alone shows you the experience mm. that we have to guard ourselves. Mm -hmm. I have to tone down myself. I have to smile in order to exist. Mm. And whereas some people don't. And you see, that is the thing where, as you say, respectable politics, in a suit, people are get shot. In a hoodie, people are get shot. So it shows you that the individual, no matter how I want to be, as you say, you receive racism. You are a black right-wing woman. They didn't see, but it's not about, because they, they don't, the issue is racism is not about us. It's about them and how they perceive us. So you can be a black right-wing woman, you can be a black billionaire. It don't matter because him just see you and him decide who you be already. Okay, just like how you kind of heard her and assume how she is already. But I will say, you know, sometimes collectivism does work. You know, obviously we're stronger together in terms of, say, the civil rights movement. That was a, a mass movement that really galvanised change. But I think the problem with collectivism is when it groups people together and assumes they all think the same, should act the same, and have the same opinions because they fit into this block. When in reality, it doesn't happen. And when we have that collectivised mindset, yeah. we, we end up in authoritarian regimes like Soviet Russia, for example. But no where one people thinks we should all have the same mindset. Were yeah, murdered yeah, for yeah. criticising the government. But that, it might seem like dramatic, but that's where that mindset of collectivism but I'm, I'm, I'm really more ends. of the that's view that all, all black ends. people should be left wing. Don't get it twisted. I don't, I don't believe that at all. Um, so I think the point that is more being made is that whatever we do, there's a certain system that perceives us and treats us legally, socially, politically a particular way. Whether you're right wing, whether you're left wing or not, there's a certain interaction Why that you're going to have with the world. And whether you like it or not, that's the reality. The same way you said you went to York and you perceived your, your life would not look the same if your skin was the same colour as Frankie's. That's just the reality of it. And there's nothing that you can do as, as an individual to make to the world that. treat you differently. What do you guys love most about your colour, your class and your culture? And I'm going to go first to Phil. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, what I love most about my culture, um, well, I consider myself, I mean, I am mixed race. Um, I'm half Chinese, but, I, but I've been brought up really sort of as white British, really. So um, for me, what I love probably most about my culture is probably the whole sort of you know, our freedom mm -hmm. to do whatever we please. You know, we can, you know, obviously our right to free speech, you know, our right, you know, to travel and things like that. So that's probably what I love most. Um, but yeah, I mean, I never sort of really go into the culture, like my sort of Chinese culture, really. It's not something that, you know, I, I really was ever really connected to. So for me, um, I mean, even, you know, like when I was growing up and everything, uh, 
you know, a lot of people, it's, it's mainly my name that gives it away and because I don't really look that sort of Asian, which is sort of like a sort of a weird thing. But, um, you know, when people would sort of like ask me, like, you know, uh, you know, can you speak Chinese? Can you write it or whatever and things like that? And they ask me about these things. I almost feel quite awkward, mm -hmm. really, because like, I'm, I'm just not in a, in a position to really answer those kind of things because I'm not really that connected to it. Right. But okay. yeah, it's, it's mainly the, um, in terms of culture, the, the sort of the English culture that I more sort of associate with. The creative expression, I feel like um, in Jamaica, like, there were two million people, mm -hmm. but everybody know Bob Marley, everybody know Ska, everybody know Dancehall. So mm -hmm. like, two million people made three different genres that are global, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's not even limited to just like, music mm. but even just general conversation like how expressive we are and yeah i feel like the, the kind of unlimited creativity that we have in anything that we're doing mm -hmm. is yeah what make yeah that's what i love i went to secondary school in wandsworth uh in a school called saint cecilia's uh, and this school took kids from poorer areas and then wealth wealthier areas and then it was just a a real it's a bit of a cliche, but it was a real melting pot. Yeah. And there were people interacting with each other at a very young age and figuring out how to interact with each other. And then that was further reinforced at university. Um, and I was blessed to meet a wide variety of cultured friends. Uh, in my second and third year, I lived with two Ghanaians, one Nigerian and someone from Guyana. And it really, really, really if you're talking about a moment where I felt white, it was in these moments. Yeah. Because I'd be sitting with, we'd be chilling, and we'd be talking about race, or they'd be talking about race. Mm -hmm. And I learned that as a white man, I have very little participation in these conversations. And it was a, it was a great, it was a learning experience yeah. to learn how to sit down and listen. Because their experiences and their, their, how they navigate the world was so different from mine. The, the one that struck me was how they interacted with the police. From a young age, I had always been able to go up to the police and talk to the police. Mm -hmm. But my friends were talking about how they'd be walking uh, to a barbecue in shorts and t-shirts and just get stopped and searched. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I mean is that I can't really sort of talk to them about that because I, mean, I can't comprehend. talk to them about it. You can share your perspective as well. Mm. I mean, just because you're white and male doesn't mean that you can't participate in conversations about race. Mm. Because at the end of the day, what transcends race and culture and those conversations is you as individuals. It's amazing and fascinating to hear your side and it's so valid and, and Dom, what you said, I was gonna say the same thing because there is never the time where you're to be excluded from the conversation whatsoever. Yeah. What were you gonna say? What, what I was gonna say is, you know, I mean, recently I was in like a pub and things like that in Tottenham, it was um, for the Champions League and I was really actually surprised by how many, like, you know, Europeans, like, you know, obviously blacks, um, you know, there was, I think, Americans as well. And that was like genuine, I mean, it probably sounds a bit strange here, but it's something that I'd never seen before, like so many doing what's sort of, you know, like football, which is typically a working class, you know, associated with a working class type right. of culture. Yeah. And I was really surprised to see that. Where Phil was surprised, I guess, he was surprised by the diversity that you saw watching football. Yes. And that's an interesting, for me, I'm like, right, I'm, sur I'm surprised that you're surprised because obviously there's always an intersection between race and class and gender as well in the sense that true, 
um, football is probably a working class sport. But black people are working class people as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, obviously we love football too, you yeah, get me? I think, yeah. I think it's um, actually for me as well, um, the town where I actually grew up in, it was sort of um, probably about 30 miles from Newcastle, but um, I think it has a, a population of 96% of white British. I, like, I was sort of, even though I did identify really as British, I was almost sort of seen as like an ethnic minority. But do you not identify as someone who is ethnic minority? It's, um, to be honest, not really, because um, it's never really played a big part in my life, really. For me, the kind of intersection between colour, class and, and what was that one? Culture. Culture mm -hmm. is, you know, it's weird, because as I said, even the whole idea of football where people are like, you know, as again, you're surprised that you see black people watching football. Well, not, you, well, not oh, well, sorry. That, the mixing, mixing, yes, yeah. right? But it, it's interesting that that is a thing where, but you would have watched black football players. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you're young, so it's not like in the 70s mm. where it's like one baller. No, you get me? Yeah. <laughs> like it's a mixed thing. Yeah. So, but I feel, as I said, in terms of class, like it, it's important to be aware of that nuance, even amongst black people. Mm -hmm. You get me? Because certain people start acting different when money kind of different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's important to just acknowledge all those three things and acknowledge your own perspective in it mm -hmm. so you can navigate properly, which I feel like lends itself to what you were saying, Dom, earlier about Simon being involved in a conversation. I feel like as much as he should be involved in a position, in a conversation, there's a certain place that people should have or should understand themselves within certain conversations. So for example, a conversation about women, I may well and be in the conversation, but Managa really tried to tell you, because it's not really my see, place see, this for kind of say, you, yeah, you see what I'm no, saying? Like, I'm not gonna, like, yeah, no, for sure. No, this is why I disagree because the whole point of finding common ground is hearing opinions that you might not agree with. I think, if we were to have a discussion about abortion, I'm not gonna sit there and scream at you and say, you have a penis, so you're not allowed to have an opinion on what I do with my body. It's just a, it's just a non-argument. If you have an opinion on abortion, for example, and you don't think it's the right thing to do, if I don't agree with that, that's fine, and we can have a conversation about that, but I'm not, the, the basis of my argument isn't going to be formed off what your identity is because it's just ridiculous. That's my opinion. I don't, I, I think, I think it, it is important in the sense that there are certain voices that should not dominate certain conversations. And I think what, what, it's, what it's about it, in terms of abortions, men's voices should not be dominating conversations about women's bodies in the same way that white people shouldn't be dominating conversation about black people's bodies. And I think, I struggle with this idea that everything's about race now or everything's about gender now. People's experiences have always been racialized. Women's lives have always been different. My, my life is different from, from Luke's because we, we live in two different bodies. The world treats women differently to how the world treats men. The world treats white people differently to how it treats um, black people. Um, and I think our experiences, how we navigate the world is not the same. And I think we should be able to have conversations that yeah, highlight, highlight those things. But at the same time, I don't think people who are on the privileged end of those conversations should be dominating them because that does, that does nothing for highlighting the experience. I'm not saying that they should be allowed to dominate the conversation. What I'm saying is, is they should be allowed to put forward 
their point of view. In most places of the world, our political systems are dominated by men. In most places men. of the world, <laughs> women are oppressed. There's not, to me, that's not... In what ways are women, like, oppressed? In, in what ways are women... Like, oppressed? say, for example, here. In, in somewhere like the UK, women have, women, if we look at the numbers, women, for example, outperform men from, from primary school all the way up to university, but men are still likely to be in the highest paid jobs and have the better opportunities. We have to ask ourselves, why, why is that? Nobody can tell me that women are just, they just happen to be less ambitious. There are, there are everyday- there, are, there is science that actually demonstrates that women naturally gravitate towards caretaking roles that involve having more empathy. Can what I science is that? And men, and men, that men are naturally more of a more risk takers, which is why they often feel more comfortable going for this positions. This is so interesting. And that's all we have time for, I'm afraid, but it's been a fantastic conversation. We've been discussing the three C's, class, culture, and color, and you need to get involved. We're having real conversation. This is all about the round table. Make sure you tune in again.